Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. If you have a Bible or if you want to use your device, we're going to be in John chapter 19. John 19. And then we're also going to tag on a little bit from the book of Matthew uh, in our primary uh, text today. And to get us started, I, this might be a little awkward, it's not a great introductory thought, but I did, I, I'm not actually going to do it, but I thought about asking everyone who is still using a flip phone <laughs> to stand that we might publicly mock you <laughs> at church. I'm just kidding! Now, I'm, when I'm talking about a flip phone, I'm not talking about like a cool flip phone, like they're coming out with... You see, now they're coming out with new flip phones that are supposed to be kind of cool. No, I'm talking about old flip phones. By the way, if you're still losing a, using a flip phone, love you. I, in fact, I relate a little bit. I still remember back when I had a flip phone, I went into the Verizon store because it was not working right. And as I entered the Verizon store, one of the little Verizon people said, oh, you're here for a new phone. And I was like, no, no, this is fine. I... And then they, like, said it again. Well, no, actually, no, you probably should get a new one. And, I said, no. and they finally ended up saying something like this to me. Mr. Pope, you don't understand. That style of phone is dead. It will not work in our new system thing. And something had changed. And they're like, ain't going to happen. And so I ended up having to upgrade my phone. I use that little uh, story or illustration to introduce the thought that I think that we can agree on. There comes a time when times have changed. Does that make sense? Like there comes a time where, sorry, yeah, the phone, like it won't work anymore. Uh, if you need a Bible verse for this, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it, you may have heard of this verse. It says there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. And then it has this long list of, it's a time for this and a time for that. And, a time. and the first one is, there is a time to be born and a time to die. Like it's over and done. My phone was dead. By the way, this is not always a bad thing. For some people, I need to repeat that. Because you're like, yes, it is. This is not always a bad thing. Maybe you will relate to this. Have you ever had a car that eventually, the mechanic, like, it's dead. No, we cannot... And, and as you walked away from Bessie or whatever you named the car, and you realized, yes, I am so glad to get rid of that stinking car, right? Or when you get a new car that actually, you can say it, starts. <laughs> it writes so something's dying, it's not bad. I thought of a couple of friendships that I had for years and I still remember thinking, like, and they, anybody had a friendship that eventually, wait a minute, you realize, wait a minute, we're done. Now, this is going to sound harsh. It doesn't mean I don't like them anymore, but I thought of two friendships when finally thought, this friendship is, is finished. And I remember thinking, 
good. I'm kind of, no, it wasn't, it wasn't like I don't, like if I see him like, but it was like, you know what? It's right and true and okay that this is, it's a new season, different direct, does that make sense? So something dying or being over with is not always a bad thing. An important note here, this will affect our life. How we deal with done things, <laughs> whether we deal with things that are done or dead or over, that'll affect your life. It can get awkward if you hold on to something for too long when really the season for that is over. Just trying to think of examples. Oh, if I was still carrying around my old Razor phone that doesn't work anymore, but, you know, can't figure out why no one's calling. It's like, it's because it does, you know, or why doesn't anybody text me anymore? I text you. Like that's, it's, it gets awkward if you cling to things that are dead. I have, a, I have, I think I still have it. Maybe my family's thrown it away now, but I have an awkward T-shirt that I wear. It's got full, it's just filled with holes. And I still remember, this was in, within the last year, and someone said, like, and actually to someone I think is over here, and they're like, Dad, because it's, they were like, Dad, I can see your armpit. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, is that not cool? And they were like, get rid of the shirt. It's dead, get rid of the shirt. Okay. Did I, have, did I get rid of it, Anna? I still have it. So sorry. See, but it can get really awkward if you don't live according to the right. Okay, sorry. Ah! Oh. All right. Well, here's where we're going to head. The, 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 the talk today is not about phones or T-shirts. It's about things more important than that. Uh, it'll come up on the screen. A key to our spiritual life. This is true. A key to our spiritual life, having a vibrant, just vibrant life, but especially our spiritual life, is understanding what is old or dead and embracing what is new and alive. That's important. Some biblical examples. In Genesis chapter 2, it describes marriage. It says, A man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife, and they become one flesh. Tucked in there, if... One of us, if you're married, if one of you, if you do not properly leave mom and dad in, enough, the marriage thing will be a struggle. Does that make sense? Somebody, that was marriage counselor for some of you. Like, yeah, yeah, well, you talk to her about that. <laughs> the mama's boy here won't, this, it's a big deal. If you don't navigate that well. In the Old Testament, there are stories of God's people, the Israelites, and God released them, supernaturally released them from being Egyptian slaves. So they were slaves to Egypt. And part of the problem for years and years was there was a whole group of people that kept wanting to go back. And like God was like, that's done. But they kept whining and going, I want to go back and be a slave, which was stupid. And it caused all kinds of problems. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old, it has gone. The new is here. So hold those thoughts. We are kicking off a series this weekend called This New 
life. And our hope is to bring clarity to what a walk with God is supposed to look like. I shared a little bit of this last week in promoting the series, but I'm convinced if we have a clear understanding of God, a a good understanding of who Jesus was and what he offered and forgiveness of sin and new life and hope and, and, and strength and power and encouragement. If we have a good picture of what that looks like, I'm convinced that virtually everybody would go, I, that's what I want to do. But the problem is sometimes we have old information or bad information or a perception of who God is because somebody said something 14 years ago and, well, my grandma was a Christian and she told me, blah, 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 blah. And sorry, your grandma was wrong. Like sometimes we just have bad or dead information. And so we're going to try to bring clarity to us all. By the way, this should be helpful for those of us that are already committed or trying to follow Jesus because if you've done it for very long, how many of you know there are hard times as you try to follow Christ? But it's important, if we have a clear understanding of God, it keeps us going when times are hard. And for those of you that might be new and you're trying to figure out God, these are the kind of things that I think will draw you toward God. All right, so that's kind of what the series is about. Today we're going to look at uh, a moment in time when Jesus died on the cross And he said, it, it, from the cross, maybe you've heard this, he says, it is finished. And what we're going to explore is, what was the it? What got finished or died, besides Jesus died on the cross, what, what became obsolete at that moment in history? Because things changed when he died on the cross. So... Our text, I need to probably put some background here so it makes sense. Um, Specifically, Jesus now, at this point, he's hanging on the cross. He has been in the midst of 15 hours of uh, a mess. He's been betrayed by one of his disciples He was beaten by at least a few different groups of soldiers. Then he was turned over to trained executioners who nailed him to the cross. At this point in the text, he's been on the cross for somewhere between five and six hours. Those of you that don't know, that means for five or six hours, he has been bobbing up and down just trying to breathe because crucifixion by nature pulls your arms and just expands all this stuff. And so he would have been doing this in a horrifying, painful, up and down for five or six hours as his body was dying. And in the midst of that, he says in John 19, 28, knowing that everything now, I'm sorry, knowing that everything had now been finished, And so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. So they give him a drink in verse 29, and then in verse 30 it says, When he had received the drink, Jesus said, here it is, It is finished. And with that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Same moment of time, another record of what was happening from Matthew 28 says, He gave up his spirit. 
at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. We're going to talk about that. The earth shook, the rocks split, and tombs broke open. This was a huge moment in time when something absolutely changed. We're going to talk about two things that changed. title of the talk is A New Spiritual Plan, What Jesus Finished on the Cross. And I'm going to talk about two things that became obsolete in that moment. We have, I was going to make you stand for prayer for the series, but it's okay. Just relax. Just relax. Some of you look tired today, so I'll stand. Let's pray. So God, we, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> so God, we pray for this talk, for our time over the next, I don't know, six or eight weeks as we talk about what it is to walk with you, and uh, we need your help. Yeah, that's a good prayer. We need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, two ideas from today's text. First thing is this, and you can write this in on your handout, or if you're using the app. By the way, I've been using the app because I'm super techie. That was a lie. And uh, I needed some info from about the church, something I was going to check something out, and I pushed the app, and I'm like, man, this is great. So there's actually notes in the app where you could just be filling in the notes. Anyway, so anyway, first idea. The crucifixion put an end to the hardest work of relationship with God. That's a fill in the Bible. The hardest work. I think that'll make sense in the next few minutes. Now, just a note, I'm not saying that there's no work involved in following Jesus Christ. There's work involved. There are things that can be difficult. He may uh, and will probably ask you to pray or to sacrifice or to do things. And it might be hard or, or because you're, you're a parent and like just coming to church today. And it may have been difficult because you got to get the kids ready. And there's hard things involved in following God. But it is, I would submit to you, it is nothing like the work involved before Jesus came and died on the cross. And if you want to write something that's really not a fill in the blank on your notes, just write out there, sacrifice. Because before Christ sacrificed himself on the cross, we were responsible for bringing a literal sacrifice to God to deal with the seriousness of our sin. You see, God is holy, and when we sin, that becomes a barrier. And here is an important verse for you to know if you're trying, if you want to explore the Christian faith or understanding of God, Hebrews 9.22 says, the law, that's a spiritual law, requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Sin is that serious that when we sin, God has declared something's got to die. And so before Christ, that, include, that was animals, sa- animal sacrifice. So, you think it was hard, you know, you think you had responsibilities to come to church today. So, so a guy like Abraham, an Old Testament guy, if he was going to go and worship God or fellowship with God, part of the deal virtually every time was he had to gather, he had to split and gather wood, he had to go find a sheep, And then he had to take the wood and the sheep to a designated place, build a fire, butcher the lamb, 
burn all this. It was a job to get done. Does that make sense? This would have been a big deal. <laughs> it would have been a big, we're talking probably like a half, instead of like an hour, some of you are like, you're going to be here for an hour, an hour and a half today or something. I'm going to talk a long time. So you're going to be here for three hours. No, you're not. Today at church. But just the sacrifice of to fellowship offering to God would have been hours. And I was thinking about us. For some of you, if part of your job today to be in fellowship with God was to be to build a fire, you, we would never see you again. <laughs> because you'd be like, I don't know how to build a fire and where do we, right? You'd be like, this isn't going to work. I also thought about this. For some of us who are tender-hearted toward animals, when, when you would have had to, there would have had to be an animal killed and sacrificed on your behalf, you would have gone, I can't, I can't do it. Right? Because you would have said, this is my fluffy the sheep. I can't do it. You'd have been, you'd have gone to hell. Right? Right? You would have been, you would be, go, I'm so sorry. You would, because you would, in our present day mindset, you'd be like, no way. This is never going to happen. How many of you right now are more grateful for Jesus you, you're going to become Christian today, aren't you? Because <laughs> you're like, holy cow, so animals. But, and I'm making kind of light of it, but this is totally serious. That God was not kidding when he said, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. It, isn't that serious? So, so the, back to the point, <laughs> there would have been work involved in becoming, uh, in, in, our, in trying just to be in right relationship, just to be forgiven for stuff. Just to expand on this, there's a story, there's a, an account in 1 Kings 8 where uh, the king of the time, his name was Solomon, and they were going to dedicate a temple where tens of thousands of people for years were going to try to come into the presence of God. And part of that was they required sacrifice for sin in the dedication of the temple. Get a load of this. How many animals were slaughtered on that day for the sacrifice for sin to dedicate the temple? It says, Solomon offered a sacrifice of fellowship offerings to the Lord. Look at this. 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. Now to relate it to, what, to our present topic right now, how much work would it take to butcher and burn that many animals? How many man hours? One scholar estimated it would have been at least a week-long process with a huge group of men working 24 hours a day, shifts of the process of all of this. That would have been work, work. By the way, the work of trying to, to get right or be in relationship with God was not just with the sacrifice. This may not be a great example, but there's a story of King David he was a, he's a good example of, of, of someone trying to follow God. And he just was going to bring what's called the Ark of the Covenant into his city. And the Ark of the Covenant, you may have seen it in some movies, Raiders of the Lost Ark, old movies. Um, it was a box 
that contained some uh, artifacts from God, and it wasn't just a box. There was supernatural power associated with this box. In fact, before the little account that I'm going to read now, one guy died like that because he mishandled the box. Okay, it's a really serious thing. And so David wants to bring this uh, Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, and it describes David. By the way, this was a big parade. Everybody was paying attention. And it says, David, in the midst of this parade, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. We're talking about the work involved in being right with God. Dancing before the Lord with all his might. It's important to know that this was not a dance across the street. This is more like a dance from one town to the next town. Minimally, it was a few miles. Likely, it could have been up to 12 miles from what my research teaches so David danced hard for 12 miles, right? Some of us can't really, we move on at a wedding reception, right? We just do one dance, and then someone says, are you standing on the dance floor? No, I got to sit down, <laughs> right? And David danced for hours in the midst of that. <laughs> Here's the simple idea. Fill in the blank. Before Christ, relationship with God burned lots of calories. <laughs> I say that maybe I made life. But it would have been hard, 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 hard work. Back to the text. But Jesus did the hard work of the cross that brings replacement so that we don't have to work as hard for forgiveness anymore. Just to be clear, the work of the cross was hard work. I already mentioned uh, 15, uh, 15 hours of torture. That doesn't include, before that, I won't bore you with how you come up with this, but he had been up all day, probably from 6 in the morning, all day long. The betrayal happened at midnight that night, so that's 18 hours. Long story short, Jesus did probably a 33-hour day before he said, it is finished. That's a long day. Um, he had to stay faithful in the midst of torture. He couldn't sin. He couldn't take God's name in vain when someone was beating the snot out of him or whipping him with a whip. Do you ever think about that? That takes work. Um, carrying the cross, likely just the crossbar, 100 pounds, maybe 120 pounds. Carried it 600 yards. So that's, that's carrying 100, 100 pounds on your shoulders. He ended up needing help because he was going to go down a football field, Back a football field, down a football field, back a football field, 600 yards, and then up and down, just trying to breathe for five hours. And that's why when he said, it is finished, part of what I believe he was thinking, here's what I think he was thinking. No one, this is the good news of new life in Christ. No one is ever, I think I have this, here, yeah, this will come up on the screen. I think that God was thinking in the midst of it. Jesus is thinking this is the last time anyone will have to work this hard to get into the presence of God. That is great news. So to apply this idea, fill in the blank, am I still working for my forgiveness? 
The key to being forgiven, folks, is not you working harder. It's connecting with Jesus who did the work on the cross. Remember talking to a young lady named Tammy years ago. I was in a small group. And I asked her, I said, do you want to ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life? And she said something. This may be her word. She said, I just have a few things to work out before I do that. And I said, if you wait until you get your life in order, you will never ask Jesus. And it made sense to her by God's grace. And she was like, oh. And so she asked Jesus, because he's the one who does the work. This, this next note, probably I probably shouldn't have put it in the talk, but it'll drive some of you crazy if we don't fill in the blank. So I'm going to real quick. Here is a question that came to my mind. Am I making others work for my forgiveness? And what I mean by this is one of the things that happens when we understand the grace and forgiveness of Jesus on the cross, by nature, we should not make other people work for the forgiveness we should extend to them. Does that make sense? That's part of maturing in Christ instead of when so-and-so acts like a jerk and they do that thing and we say, I'm going to make them pay. And we make them do things for a week or two weeks or three weeks. I'm not talking to you yet. That, that thing that we do. Listen, Christians, grow up. Grow up. Jesus Christ took all of the, all of the stuff on his back Grow up and be more forgiving to people around you. Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. We, if you're a follower of Jesus, should look different. I feel like I could go on a tangent there. Boy, we're living in a world that wants people, we want everybody to pay for a long time for the dumb thing they did back in 2008. Are we not like digging up junk on people that the, when they were, you know, they were like 17 and we're still like, oh yeah, I can't believe you did that. He's, and, and blah, 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 blah. It's not what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> second thing, second thing, we gotta go. Second thing, the crucifixion put an end to every barrier. Hang in there. Got five minutes to finish this up. Every barrier to closeness with God. This has to do with the veil being torn from top to bottom. There's symbolism in this. Let me tell you a little story before we get there. Uh, when my kids were little, I think I did this a few times. I know I had the heart of this. Sometimes. We would play hide and seek. We didn't play it a lot, but I think we did a few times, especially with little kids. And instead of going and hiding, like I was, maybe I was just tired of the game, but they would be like, they would go and go, one, two, three, four, ready or not, here I come. And they would like come out of the bedroom and I would just be sitting on the couch. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm not hiding anymore. And a part of it was like, just find me. Here I am, give me a hug. Right? Now, it's a, isn't that kind of a nice, yeah, oh, I was a great dad. My daughter's over there going, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's not a bad picture of what's happening with this tearing of the curtain in the Holy of Holies. It says, when we look to the Matthew, Matthew text, it says, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. This curtain was a barrier. It was the last barrier or hiding place that kept people from seeing and experiencing the authentic, real power presence 
of God. Here is a model of what it would have been something like in that temple at the time. This would have been the holy place is the, is the room you can see. Behind that room, there's the curtain, and that would have been called the Holy of Holies. And you know who got to go in to see the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was? You know who got to go in? Almost nobody. Almost, the only, I found this, the Holy of Holies was covered by a veil, so no one was allowed to enter except the high priest. And even he would only enter once a year. So do you see the symbolism of when that gets ripped in half? Just to be clear, who could get a clear picture of God before Jesus died on the cross in the, in the temple times? Could a Gentile? No chance. They're never going to see behind that curtain. You could have, you could have been out maybe in, in, the, in the inner court or the outer court or out in the lobby at church, and you could have struggled and tried to see through the doors or whatever. No way you're going to get to see where, it, where the Holy of Holies is. Could a Jew? No. They had to stay in the lobby, or maybe they could get into the second uh, area. Could a priest enter the... No, they couldn't either, unless you were the high priest, and that person maybe could get in one time a year for a few hours. Here's the symbolism of the, the, tent, the temple curtain being torn. Here it is. Write it in. When the curtain gets torn, the odds of seeing God go through the roof. They go way, way up. Back to, back to Jesus on the cross when he says, it is is finished, I would submit to you part of what in his brain, part of what's happening in the spiritual realm when he says, it is finished, is he is thinking, never, never again will God be hidden from people. I am going to rip this curtain from top to bottom because I worked, right, Jesus is saying, because I have done all this on the cross, anybody, Jew, Gentile, stupid, smart, me, you, anybody will be able to get into and have possible uh, a, a way to go into, fully into the presence of God. That may apply to every single person listening. Online here, look, Jesus Christ, when he said it is finished, part of what he was thinking is, I am sick and tired of all the barriers between humanity and the Father, and I'm going to take care of them on the cross, come on in. I want you to be able to be forgiven for your sin. I want you to be able to get a clear picture of God. That is a foundational truth for the idea of this new life in Christ. Get it. Hold on to it. Anything that you've heard other than that, this is foundational truth. And it's great, great Great news, is it not? It is a big deal. Yeah, I would applaud God for that. Man, it's a big deal. Final fill in the blank. Am I living with a barrier that no longer exists? 2,000 years ago, Jesus took care of it. Now, by the way, you have to want to see 
and be in the presence of God. Does that make sense? But the door is busted wide open. Why don't you stand? We're going to close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.